I'm so grateful that we can have um, Eddie Chitten here in Maramadei. And uh, if you've been in Wanganui any length of time, I've been here now 24 years. I've heard of Marama's name. I've met her. It's just, she's part of Wanganui. And um, I just got to know Eddie recently. I'm sorry, your fame isn't quite the same as your sister's. Sorry. Yeah, she takes the claim. And so um, it's really good that you can be here with us. Come and tell us about um, the work of Waiora Community Trust. And um, so I'd ask you to come up and we'll hear what the Lord is saying through you. We'll listen with open hearts to what the Spirit is saying to us. And then we'll go out in obedience and listen and do what the Lord has said we must. So thanks. Kia ora tato whanau. Ko Edward Rihari Churton Taka Wingwa. Um, ate anui te paparangi. Ate, ate anui um, te iwi. Um, rua, rua peihu te, te maonga. Uh, Wanganui te awa, uh, putiki te marae, uh, te marae uh, tūranga waiwai, um, and Atea te waka. Um, ko ma- Mahi, um, um, Operations Manager of, of um, Te Kākanga Kaiangora. So I've just said where, where, what, what my tribe is, so it's obviously the, the, the tribe of the river here, and the mountain is Wanganui, and the river is, oh, sorry, the river is Wanganui. Uh, Aotea is, our, is our, um, our waka, how we came here originally. And um, so my position is um, operations manager at uh, Te Kākano Kāinga Ora, which is a part of, or the child of, um, one of the children of Waihora Christian Community Trust, because there's a number of them. There's also Tapuna the Church and Puna Ora, which is the which is the Kapahaka group. Um, so so out of Waihora Christian Community Trust, um, there have been a lot of blessings. So I just want to thank you for inviting us along, and it's a, a real privilege to be here. Um, but what the reason we're here is also to thank you for your contribution to Waiora um, and the funding that you've, you've, you've donated to our organisation um, for a cabin. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through a bit of a process. So first of all, I'll do a PowerPoint just on Waiora and then I'll get Marama to, to come and introduce herself. And then we've got a video which was made specifically for this church and the others that donated um, funding. And then, I, then I'll share the word with you. So, so I'll go back to the beginning. So you missed that part, you see, but I've already told you about that part anyway. So, um, yeah, why our Christian, Christian Community Trust was started in uh, just over 30 years. We, we celebrated our 30th birthday sh- this year, but the trust actually started before that, didn't it? It started a couple of years before that, back in 1988. So these are some of the services that we do currently. We do social services, we do uh, work skills training, uh, healthy, affordable homes. This is this is quite new. Um, transitional social housing, so we're doing a little bit of that now. Um, um, that's 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 very new as well, and that's part of the, the where you folks have been involved, um, and also Papakai and um, And some of this video is going to cover a bit of that. So they they, they say a, a picture is worth a thousand words. So there's about sixty videos in this. So in about the next ten minutes, I'm going to say sixty thousand words. Okay, I'm, I'm actually I'm not, but. Um, just to give you a bit of an idea. Um, that's part of our property. So we've got um, two and a half acres over at uh, Aramoho, over on Brunswick Road, right next to Ravensdown Factory. Um, we get um, free fertiliser constantly. Uh, <coughs> we don't, no, we don't steal it. It gets blown over our way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so part of our organisation is work schools training. And, and some of these videos are just the young fellas actually the young woman as well, so there's, there's, there's Tane and Wahine as well in our course, and that was a combined group that we had a wee while back, and we got a, got a group photo. And these are some of the activities they do, so part of the, the, the training program is we give them 
um, generic, core generic life skills, which is basically teach them how to be um, stronger characters. Like a lot of young fellows come in, they're like this with their, oh gosh, with their, with their hoods over their head and those sorts of things. And we try and bring their personality out, bring their character out, and try and encourage them to be confident about what they're doing. And, um, and we have some, had some startling results. Um, I just chucked this one in here. Um, this is a young, uh, I can't remember her name now, um, but the, the, most of it is guys come along because our main, our main course is actually building. Um, this young lady here came along, and you know one of the things that we learn, and women, you'll probably echo this, is guys just want to get a hold of the hammer and bash something or the saw and cut something. But the women tend to read the instructions first. <laughs> Then they start cutting and sawing, and as a result, this young lady here, no Woody, wasn't it? Just, just remembered. She made a lot of the guys look silly with the, with the quality of work that she was put out, and just quietly, she was the first one of our course to get a job as well. Um, so, yeah, so big ups to, 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 the, to the ladies. Um, this is a little bit of our panels. These are some of our trainees here um, putting a panel up. Um, this young fellow's here. He's just finished his course, um, gone through our course, learnt some building skills and got himself an apprenticeship with a local building company. So he's celebrating finishing the course and getting an apprenticeship uh, and a full-time full job. So he's come along amazingly well. <coughs> oh, sometimes some important people come along and say hi to us. Just, you know, <laughs> chuck these things in there every now and again. <laughs> not, not to boast or anything. Um, this was our, our building our, our new workshop, or our new factory, um, and all the students got involved in that, and obviously another wahine there getting into it. And this is a whole group of us, I think I'm pushing a wheelbarrow somewhere. Um, this is our truck lifting some of the panels around um, for a new build. This is all the panels coming for that, that new um, workshop. It's 170 square metres, big commercial building, and it's all set up, and it's, it's fully equipped now, and we're pushing cabins, out, uh, cabins and houses out as fast as we can. This is just the stages that are going up. That's the finished product. Interesting that that, that shed there two years ago, and it was, I didn't realise this, um, but Pastor Eugene from Tapuna Church said we came over, they came and prayed over the property, and they prayed and they poked the pole into the ground or put the pole into the ground on a specific spot. I wasn't going to build it there. I was going to build it somewhere else. God closed that door and ended up getting built right there with that pole, uh, you know, pole as a, as a, as a stick. Um, it got built right there on that site where that pole went into the ground. Very significant. Oh yes, every now and again we have important visits. Um, that's just the Prime Minister talking to one of our students and uh, our tutor who was there at the time, uh, Reg, um, a lovely, lovely guy. He's retired now, sadly, and we really miss him. Te Kākano Kāingora, this is part of the homes. This is, this is my department. This was our very first cabin and that's up um, uh, Kaiwaiki now. Yeah, no, that one went to Kaiwaiki. So, yeah, we put a couple more up at Tiaho, Marae, just across the river here. Um, this was us building, uh, uh, you know, going through some of the processing. Oh, you just noticed there's a person there. Uh, I think that lady there is giving us some instructions on building. <laughs> <laughs> no idea who that is. <laughs> um, here's the guys just assembling a, a cabin, putting in the windows, the doors, closing it in, putting the cavity bats on the outside, the irons on the roof, and that's the finished product. Oh, gosh, that person keeps popping up all the time. Not that I'm showing off or anything, but, you know. <laughs> um, so that was just a simple way. So one of the things that, uh, why we've gone for SIP panels is the insulation value. So compared to a traditional building, traditional wooden frame building with fiberglass bats in the walls, SIP panels use 50% less power to, to um, keep them warm throughout the year. Uh, and that was a test done 
in Canada on two identical houses. One was built with wooden panels, wooden frames, the other one was built with SIPS panels. Um, so that's part of the reason why we went for SIP panels. Plus the other reason is they're a lot simpler to build. As you can see in the previous slide, students are building our houses. Um, uh, that was a concept, that was the finished product. That went up to Tiaho Marae in um, Taumaranui. Um, that's a two-beddy concept drawings. Um, that's a bigger one, that's another two-beddy. This is actually going to go on our property at Waiora and we've just got the permit from the council. Just this week, hallelujah, it's taken a long time, some nine months. Um, not that I'm complaining about the council. Um, it's just, it, it's actually a government issue that it takes so long more than you. Um, and so that's, that's what's going up. You'll, you'll see that in probably about three months' time if you come over and visit, you'll see that on the property. That's the layout, two bedroom, be bedroom either end, kitchen, dining hall in the middle. And this is the bigger version. So all our, all our buildings are all portal frame. So we build a, a certain part of it, pick it up, put it on site, bring the next piece along, put it on site. Or if the whole building can be lifted up and shifted, we pick it up and shift it as one whole construction. Put it on a big truck and take it for a hikoi. And this is our papakainga, our papakainga version. We're building something similar to this um, starting, um, not soon, but hopefully soon, up at Kaiwi. Um, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be bigger. It's going to have three bedrooms and a big central block um, for the, 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 the um, kitchen and, and the dining hall. And so we're meeting with the, um, um, the uh, developers, or the, the, well, they're, they're an iwi, really, um, to take that further. Um, just I won't go through this, I don't want to do too much advertising and draw it out too much. Um, then some of the stuff we do is papakainga, um, and this is all about um, tui te whanau, tui te whenua, tui, tui te whare, which is the whanau, which is the family, and then the whenua is the land, and the whare is, is, is the building. And so I train this online every Wednesday night at 6.30. Um, we, I, we, we send a message out through um, various channels and that. And we've got about 15 to 1,600 people registered for that throughout New Zealand. This is Māori looking to build back on their marae again. So um, things have changed in recent times. The government's changed the rules and created papakainga. Part of the reason Māori can't build on their multi-owned whenua is because no bank will lend the money to build. So what's happened is the government have changed the rules and instead of doing that through TPK, TPK pay for the infrastructure, <coughs> kainga ora underwrite the, 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 the process and Kiwi Bank lend the funding for the whare on the house, not the land, so bypassing the issue of having to secure it on the land and, and so the buildings um, have to all be on piles so they can be picked up and taken away. So if the buyer breaches the contract, so the, the Kiwi Bank security is over the house, not over the land and so they can never lose your land. So the idea is to stop any more land being um, you know, sold or, or changing hands. <coughs> That's part of what I teach. Um, this is a marae across the road that um, we're working in conjunction with. And that was a group of us, about 10 hectares of part of Tiaho Marae's um, um, property and they're going to develop it going forward. Um, this is a picture of, of the Wangani River, so we talk about the whenua and what's required. And this is our property, an aerial view of our property. And, and one of the things that I teach is about the vision. So you have to have a vision. There's no point, it's like you know, the scripture I mentioned, without a vision the people perish. So this is exactly the same thing. You have to have a vision. This is our property, and this is our vision. This is where we'd like to be. <coughs> so that's where, it, well, it's actually it's further than that now. Um, but so we've got our vision. This is our vision. It may or may not work out like that, and the little fuddy that you folks funded is, I don't know if you can see it, it's just above the letter number six there, just right there above the number six, and that's where it's, where it's gone. Um, and it's Maren will tell you more about that. It's full all the time. 
um, and those are the basics, so feasibility, infrastructure, construction. So TPK pay for the feasibility, infrastructure, both grants, and they'll pay up to 80% of the construction if it's for rental. Otherwise, they'll, they'll, um, Kiwi Bank will lend up to 200000 without a deposit um, if the criteria is met. <coughs> so we go through feasibility, making sure it's financially viable. We go through infrastructure. We teach about construction. Um, we push the button. Oh yes, here we go. License to occupy. One of the ways that the, the fuddies can be placed on the land is through a license to occupy. So the landowner or the trust who owns the land gives the person who wants to, the farmer who wants to build on the property, a license to occupy. It's very similar to the way um, retirement villages run. It's the same, same type of model, except there's, there's far stronger security with, with Kainga Order being the guarantor. Um, major changes to rates, um, money. I talk about all this through the whole process. I'm going to skip through this. Um, uh, this is Judge Lane Harvey, and I picked up some of his um, dialogue and some of the things that he's been saying. And one of the things that he did say, which surprised me, is so Māori still own 1.4 million hectares around New Zealand, which is not a lot compared to owning 100% of it once upon a time. But he said in the Aotearoa region, which is from Manawatu, Wanganui, Taranaki, Māori actually have enough land to solve their entire housing crisis. And through the papakaiinga process, this is starting to happen. Um, you know, if you solve Māori housing crisis, you solve a lot of problems. But not only does it benefit Māori, it benefits everyone else as well. It doesn't matter who you are, it benefits everyone. And so the idea behind the papakaiinga is to assist and help um, solve Māori you know, housing that. So it's a beautiful thing. Uh, disclaimer, I just tell them that we don't represent Tapuna Kukuri, Kainga Ora, Māori land, because I speak about all those in the presentation and a bit of unashamed advertising, there's our website, tkko.co.nz. I'm going to finish it there, and I'm going to um, pass it over to Marama, and um, she'll share a little about the vision and, 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 and how it all started. Well, morning everyone. How are you all? I just want to greet you in the name of Jesus. So, tēnā koutou That means greetings to you, the family of God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, <coughs> we, I want to thank Pastor Calvin for inviting us uh, Calvin and I have worked together for quite some time. I used to, he used to be the headmaster at Sacred Heart and I was a counsellor there. So I guess that's when we first met up. So it's great to be invited to come here. I know quite a few people in this church uh, who have prayed with us over the years. And I want to um, thank Jan and, and Lindsay. Do you know, when I first came home on the call of God, I first came back to Whanganui, uh, I don't know, but for some reason I came over to this church and I found Lindsay was the worship, worship leader in those days and there he was playing the guitar, the faithful, beautiful servant that he was and I really honour that man. But I honour uh, Jan very much who's been my prayer partner all this time along with the Whanganui intercessors. You know, when you get a call of God, you're not on your own, you're a team. And as a team... You know, God calls us to pray because without prayer, nothing's going to happen, just nothing. And if you think you can stand up and do things on your own, you can't. You have to build a team. 
So whatever the call is, you know, you have to build the team. Another, uh, some other people I want to thank in this church, and they're not here today, I don't think, Sue and Keith Bunn, but they'll be well, oh, over the back. Oh, there you are. <laughs> I want to thank them most sincerely. Sue was um, my treasurer for some time, and Keith, man, what a man. You know, he, I, I'm, a, I'm a builder, I suppose, not only in the Lord, but in actual physical building. And we were busy pulling walls out and building things. And uh, so I've learned a lot of carpentry over the way. So I just want to thank you, Keith, for your, for your dedication and for all, that, all the years that you two served at uh, Waiora. So, so grateful. And, um, and grateful to the other community groups, too, that I've worked together uh, for many years. So I just want to, uh, and, I, and I can't, as you hear, are you here, Maureen? Oh, hi, <laughs> Maureen's my cousin, <laughs> so I've got to I've got to acknowledge Maureen. But <laughs> she might bang my ears if I don't. <laughs> but I um, I want to thank you, Maureen, for uh, Maureen's part of a um, patchwork quilt team, and and to thank the people very much for all the beautiful patchwork quilts that we gave out as Christmas presents to the children in our church. We have over 40 children in our church. They all belong to Black Power in the main. And if you don't know what that is, it's a Māori gang. So we minister very much to Māori gangs um, because that's where God led me to do that. Most of them my cousin bros anyway, so, you know, I can't leave them on the shelf. We've got to, um, we've got a minister. And, and so, So I just want to take a few minutes now to talk about the mission call of Waiora, but also for the body of Christ. You know, God in these end times has been revealing very much how he wants the body of Christ to work together and how important that is. You know, if we stay solo out there, we can't actually achieve a great deal for our city. We will achieve small things in small groups. But do you know when we when we work together as a body, because we are a body, um, in the different houses, but come together to work together in terms of building something that's productive in the city, that's going to save souls, that's going to bring lives. I mean, everything that we do is a call of God. Um, we're born again because God has asked us to serve. We're servants. So the more we read in the Word of God, the more we understand we are servants of the Lord. And as we understand that, we can begin to listen and hear what God's got to say. So when I came out of Bible college many moons ago, (laughs) I was sent to England to do my ministry development. And while I was over there, um, God called me to go church planting. And who did I go church planting with? My daughter, (laughs) Karen Day, who was about 24 at that time. And, uh, and Pastor Jenny Sinadudai from Sri Lanka. So, and I, are you from Sri Lanka or India? Ah, oh, can't buy. So, um, so I've spent many years in and out of Sri Lanka, um, Switzerland, France and England because that's where we were busy uh, church planting for Tamil refugees. It was during the war um, in, the, in the 19th, 19th centuries. And so um, it was a busy time. So how did this all happen? When I was at Bible College, I had a prophecy over me, and it came from Isaiah 58, verses 6 to 12. And it says this, I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, 
to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? And, and, and when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. So many years before I came to Whanganui, I was a youth worker. My brother also was a youth worker. He was a youth worker up in the Thames area, Fitianga area, where he grew up. I grew up at Putiki Whanganui um, because I'm a lot older than him, so I'm the oldest. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then Dad shifted, Mum and Dad shifted to Fitianga, so that's where he grew up. And, but, you know, God has been gracious over the years. And so I just want to talk a little bit about this because in Isaiah 58, from 1 up to 6, it was God was quite angry and fed up with the, I'll call them Christians of the time, <laughs> because they were praying and they were doing all the holy rituals and doing everything right, but their heart was not worshipping God. And so Isaiah, great prophet, was sent to try and help the people to understand the importance of um, doing things from the heart, from the heart and the love of God. And so that's what it means when it says, uh, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Because God wasn't happy with the fasts and the prayers that people were doing at the time. It was all about themselves. They were glorifying themselves and and I'm a pastor, and oh well, you know, <laughs> that's not God's heart. You know, uh, as servants of God, we're to be humble and submissive and to be servants unto him. And, and so in verse 6 it says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? God was angry because their prayers didn't mean a lot to him. To undo heavy burdens and to let... The oppressed go free, so they were the Christians were actually oppressing the non-Christians rather than ministering. You know, Jesus said, "Love yourself and love your neighbor." Amen. So that when we do, we have a heart for other people and a heart to serve. And and you know, you know, when you, when when your heart is right with God, because why He goes ahead of you and He prepares the way and He paves the way. And, and so I know that for sure because when I came back, when God called me from England to come back home, I didn't want to come. I lived in Tauranga. I had a beautiful property there. I was well off. I didn't really want to come back. And um, to Whanganui, who is my tribal area, I'm from Atihanui Paparangi, and so, you know, and uh, Natikama. So I have, we have a huge tribal background and, and um, Eddie and I are also shareholders up for our iwi uh, um, on the river. And so it's not surprising that God has called us back here to serve our own people. And so when I, when I came back on the call of God that I didn't want to come, I came with a suitcase full of um, clothes and that was it. No money, no nothing. I just came and trusted God. So, you know, when you come back to your hometown, the thing you do, you've got nowhere to go, so you ring up your cousins, eh, and you move in. <laughs> and so they provided um, help, and one cousin um, provided a house for me where I started up a home group. And so, um, but what the scripture said to me, even though it's saying uh, other things, was that there are many people that are oppressed of the devil, and they need to 
to be released from that. The only way they can be released from that is they've got to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. So for everything that, that we do in mission and in ministry must lead people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And, you know, out of that will come a massive big harvest, a massive big harvest, because that's what God calls us to do. And, and so, as, so I just want to read John fifteen seventeen because I had another big um, scripture that the Lord, a, a prophecy over me. And so the prophecy was this. You know, prophecies are so important because they're going to lead you without you knowing or realizing where God wants you to serve. Everybody with a missionary heart, and I guess I'm born with a missionary heart, been involved in the Lord for many, many years, got born again many, many years, but got born again with a a vital revelation of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when when you do and when you're ministering to the people, people can feel, you know, God's love, He's got to f- they've got to feel God's love from you. And as they do, God just moves powerfully. But you'll know the scripture, it comes from John 21. <coughs> I had a very bad accident many years ago and Satan tried to wipe me out. <laughs> uh, I had a kapahaka group over in Fiji and uh, we were ministering over there in song and worship um, when I was in Tauranga, I built Kapahaka Group there so we could travel the world and be an evangelistic team for the Lord. It was amazing what happened. We went from country to country. It was just amazing. But I had this big accident and I actually died on the, had an out-of-body experience. And this is what the Lord said to me, for I am the Lord your God and I healeth thee. And I will heal you and I'll make you whole. And then he spoke the scripture. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. So that was the first call, feed my lambs. Lambs are the people that are lost out there, the people that need you and I, because we're called to feed them, amen, to look after them. And he said to him again, to Simon Peter again, (coughs) he said to him, Simon Peter said to him, Simon Peter, do you love me? And Simon Peter said, yes. Then he said, feed my sheep. And then he said again, Simon Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes. And he said, tend my sheep. Okay, so God wants us to minister to the lambs, to feed them, and to look after them. So that's a call of God. And, you know, when I came to, because I wasn't supposed to come to, but the Lord had other plans, um, I was on fire like nothing. Now, my leg had been chopped off and God sewed it back on again. Miracle. <coughs> In my old age, it plays up a little bit, but I just give it back to God. <laughs> and I thank him. So, so it's really good what God has. So, So what happened... When I came to Whanganui, we went through various buildings and places and finally the Lord said to me to sell up the property in Tauranga and, and shift here completely to Whanganui, which is what I did. And the Lord showed me to invest that money in buying other properties so that they could fund the ministry that we were doing. So the rentals helped to fund the ministry. You see, God goes ahead of you. He shows you every, every inch of the way. 
Um, when, you, when you're walking by faith, and the Bible tells us to walk by faith, not some of us have got the courage to do it. Uh, some of us, like me, don't stop to think about anything. I just go and do, and then I upset a lot of people because I just go and do. But um, because I, I totally believe that the Lord is with us in all things. Amen? So that's the kind of faith you have to have. You have to believe in the mission work. Like when I was ministering overseas, boy, it was dangerous, especially in the war in Sri Lanka. It was very dangerous. You got guns pointed at you all the time. You have to walk by faith because if there's any doubt, any doubt, you know, you could end up in serious trouble. But God is there in it all. So when I came to Whanganui and, and the ministry was built, and finally, after 10 years, we landed up at um, 49 Brunswick Road, of which Eddie has already shown you. We, ha we run many courses there and minister to many people. Um, I guess for me, I guess God knows the heart of people, but he gave us the toughest ministry he could possibly give us. So why all started through me finding a whole lot of young children on the beach and they were living there underneath the Surf Lifesaving cl um, Club at Castle Cliff and uh, they were drugging up on plastic bags and paint and they were from the ages of 12 on. So sad. And I knew they were, and I figured they were living in the gunners. I don't know if you know the gunners down buildings down at Castle Cliff. And I knew that because I was a naughty girl when I was a girl and I used to run away and that's where I used to live. So that's where I figured they were living. So I went up to them and I said, hey guys, you fellas want to feed? Yes, they said, so I took them home. Well, that was the beginning of the whole ministry because then they had to stay with me. There was about 10 of them in a three-bedroom home. And then while we, we were worshipping in church, God gave me a picture, and it was a picture of a big greenhouse with a cross on. So I asked the members, oh, do anybody know where this is? And they said, yeah, that's the old nunnery behind Tafero School. And so I went and knocked on the door, having no idea what God was going to do next. Knocked on the door, and praise the Lord, there was a Christian there. The place was a mess, and I said to him, oh, what are you doing with this house? So I told him the vision that God had given me for the house and could I use it for a year and if I did I'd clean it all up because I had all these children. And he said, yeah. So he gave me a, a year of being in that house and then the other thing that happened was I thought, oh, I've got the house, I've got the kids, I've got no beds or furniture, what do I do, Lord? So I put a write-up in the paper and oh my gosh, we were swamped in beds and everything. The whole community came out. We had so much stuff, and then we were able to sell a lot of that stuff to pay for things. You know, so God's working. He's going ahead all the time. And then the next thing that happened was through that write-up in the paper, Palmers. I don't know if any of you related to Palmers. But anyway, they came along and gave us free vegetables for a year. A butcher came and gave us free meat for a year. So you don't have to have money necessarily. Because God's the provider. So we either believe that he's the provider or we don't. But for me, you know, I'm pretty faithful, I believe. <laughs> A lot of people I work with struggle with it. But, you know, when you know, you know, you know God's in charge, you believe, you know, and he provides. So in Matthew, in Matthew um, um, 6, 
it's got the chapter there, and I'm just going to leave the scripture with you because, um, and you can read it. So Matthew 6, <coughs> verses 25 onwards, it's called Do Not Worry Chapter. Do not worry. Do you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a trained counsellor and social worker, but I've also done my um, church Bible thing and became pastor. But you know what? I'm, I counsel so many people who are so negative and, and lost, and a lot of them are, are Christian. And so my job is to help them to learn that worry is not from the Lord, you know? And that we have to learn to read the scripture, apply the scripture to our lives. But most of all, see the Lord as Lord of Lords of our lives. The King of Kings of our life. You know, because if he's not Lord, then who is? And so it's helping people to understand oppression from the devil. Because, you know, we don't talk about this Satan very often. But we should, because he's real. And we're in a battle, Christians. We're in a battle. And the battle is... With, with the enemy trying to pull us back all the time into the world. And so the people I work with are oppressed, and, and they don't know Jesus. So over the years, our job has been to help them to understand what's actually happening. So I do talk about, the, about Satan and what he's up to. I do talk about Jesus and what he's up to. Make a choice. Who do you want to serve? Well, it's not hard, is it? It's not rocket science. With Jesus, there's freedom. That's what the scripture says in Isaiah. With Jesus, there is freedom. Without him, there is bondage. So we have a choice to serve the king of kings or to be compromising Christians and not go anywhere or do anything. So my job is a hard job is to motivate the body of Christ to stand up in the city to be able to minister the heart of God into the city. Amen? It's wonderful to be faithful. It's wonderful to come to church. But what has God actually called you to do? And so I'm grateful that I've found a church, you, the, bod the body here, that wants to actually support a mission in this city that is working with the toughest of the toughest, you know? But it's at Māori we can minister into our own, and that is so important, which is why God led us to set up a church he led us to set up a church because as fast as people were getting born again, I was planting them into churches. They'd walk in the front door and, the, and out the back door and I'd go, hey. <laughs> and then, I'm a member of the Pastors Association, so I brought it up in the pastors meeting and they said, oh, typical evangelist, you get the ball again and throw them at me. And I went, hey, isn't that your job? You're a pastor, you know. So I was confused. So I said, oh, well, Lord, if they don't want to do it, I guess we plant a church. So we did. We planted a church called Tapuna or Waiwara Māori Christian Fellowship. And that church um, is just growing and growing and growing. So we, we speak in Māori, we sing in Māori, but we, it's all translated. We sing in Māori and English um, because when I was overseas working with other countries, I was in their culture and their language. Amen? And, and I just loved it. I just let it go and thought, oh, Lord, this is so beautiful. This is awesome worship. You know, I didn't understand a word they were saying, but I felt the Spirit of God there. Amen? 
And, the, and we know that the Lord lives in all cultures, don't we, Kelvin? <laughs> You've come from a country of persecution as well. We know the Lord is in all cultures. So we need to minister into all cultures. When God called me, a woman, to minister to our Māori men, the gangs, I thought, are you joking? You have to be joking. But, you know, God just prepared the way. You know, when we had all the kids in, in, our, in, our, um, in our training courses at Waiora, I'd have the parents turn up with bats and all sorts of things to come and give their kids a hiding. I'd say, you, in my office. <laughs> you know what they got when they got in my office was my mouth. And we're from the Word of God. You know, because I know, I know, I know, I don't have to fear anything. So one day, all our students went missing. I thought, ah, oh, they've been at a party at the Blimmin' Den. I'm going to go and get them. And I said to one of my male tutors, and you're coming with me. He said, not likely. I'll drive you there, but that's about it. <laughs> so I got to the pad. You know, that's where the gangs hang out. I got to the pad, and I got out, and I was so righteously angry. How dare they have my girls here? <laughs> got up to the gate, and all these dogs came, woo, 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 at me. I was so angry, I said, in the name of Jesus, go. And they went, bap, 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 bap. <laughs> under the house. So you know, you know, you know, when you know the king of kings, you know you're serving him. You don't have to fear. You know, um, I guess I learned a lot of it too, working with Jenny Sinudurai, because we'd be in a hairy situation, and she'd say, oh, glory, Lord, you sort it out. And she'd just carry on, and I'm thinking, uh, we've got guns pointed at us here. <laughs> what are you doing? She says, are you walking by faith? If you're not, you're dead. <laughs> you know. And, and it's no different in New Zealand. Do you know when I came back to Whanganui, the crime rate was extremely high. I built a team and after ministering for about 10 years, the crime rate was coming down. Now, that had to be a partnership with the city council, with other groups, with everybody. It had to be a partnership going out and talking to the community and saying, wake up, guys. Half of this is your fault anyway. People that are, are oppressed will survive in whatever way they can. So as Christians, we're called to minister into these people. Amen? And the final scripture I want to leave you is Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks will find. Amen? Do you know, I'm so grateful for intercessors. They have prayed with us and every week, I have seven intercessors, Jan's one of them, who come to Wilder and we pray. And we pray in everything that God is doing, everything he wants to do. Open the laws and take away the blocks. Because the enemy attacks. He hates what we're doing. Amen? And do you think he's going to leave you alone and you're going to lead a simple life? No, not likely. He's attacked me and attacked me. I've had all kinds of people come and threaten me and want to knock my block off. And I just stand there and say to them, God bless you. I feel your pain. You know? And I know that God's in that sentence. 
because that's what Jesus would say. God bless you. I feel your pain. I know an angry person, there's a lot of pain in their lives. Why would I get angry with them? Why wouldn't I just love them? Why wouldn't I just ask them in, give them a feed, and say, God bless you? Those people sit in our church today. Amen? They sit in our church because they felt the love of God. That's what we're called to do, church. We're called to love people. We're called to honour people. We're called to understand people. When you go overseas, it's so diabolical. Boy, you don't question. So why do we do that in New Zealand? We're a rich nation, a rich country. But we've got issues and problems. And we need to be standing up as a body of Christ. We need to stand up. And we need to pray about the issues in our country and the problems. Amen? So I just want to leave that with you. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that um, you've been with us in this and in this presentation, Lord. I pray, too, that many of you will come to Waiora. Come visit us. Come have a cup of tea. Come and see what we're doing. Come see what God is doing. Father, bless this church and bless them abundantly, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Now, if you thought that was the end, Eddie's going to do the last bit. <laughs> this is called tag preaching, and, and it's called that when we do tag preaching, you never know what God's going to come up with next. <laughs> Too bad for a leg that bottle smashed up, eh? <laughs> I assume. Oh, yes, I'm still on. Must be I can hear myself. I can have that. Um, Isaiah. Oh, I know it's wrong. I'm missing something. If you're young and you can see well, enjoy it. So Isaiah 40, uh, 58, um, chapter 11, verse 7, is this not, the sh- not, is this not too sheer? This is, this is him saying, this is the, um, the, the worship that he wants. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? So can we bring that video up? This video now is um, on a young chap called Cody. Actually, he's not that young. Cody, who was living in a tent. We brought him to Waiora, and if you could just pop it back to the beginning, and, um, and we put him in the, in the, in the fuddy, and the, and the funding for that fuddy, part of the funding for that fuddy came from this church. So this, is, this presentation was done um, partly for yourselves. Tyndale Foundation uh, funded the rest, of the rest of the fuddy, and this is about Cody who's moving into it. So where you go. I'm Eddie Churton, and I'm the uh, operations manager for Te Kākano Kāinga Limited. Waiora's mission is is to reach out to those who are underserved. So, what really motivated us to to, to seriously look at transitional housing um, was the students that that, that come to our course. So, um, we were funded by MBIE to run a Etu Tangata program, which is a skills training for industry. So, getting Tawera who are unemployed, you know, on the street into employment. A lot of the feedback actually came from Fano, came from students that come to the course who are struggling to get into houses 
I guess that, that stirred us up or motivated us to a, a lot more to try and find a way of providing accommodation to those Tawira. You know, we, we figured we've got land, we've got space, how can we help these Tawira? How, we, how can we help these young people um, to get into housing? And that's where Cody fitted perfectly into our vision. He was living in a tent with no real place to call home and that and so we've got as a marae we've you know got faramoi here so we've got sleeping quarters here and so we offered him the opportunity we see no reason why he can't um, with the continued support get into that position where he's maybe even studying or working towards an apprenticeship in the building industry. So the whare out there was built by Te Kākano, which is obviously our building company. It's the uh, cabin that we've got now um, is funded by um, Tyndale Foundation, through the Catholic Foundation, I think it is, and through local churches and, and donations from, from locals. Um, and um, because we build them on site here, it was a perfect opportunity for Cody himself to be involved in building the fuddy, the cabin that he's going to be living in himself. Um, and that, that's part of the aim of what we do with the students that come here. Um, and so for Cody, that's, that's been really important. So he can learn, you know, um, building techniques and that. And then later on, we can attach the, the technical information, the written information that he'll need to get a certificate or something like that. We've seen Cody make great steps. We've discovered he's a great worker and he really enjoys working. And so we've spent a lot of time, you know, helping him A, through the course, and then B, with the building training that we're doing. As times come on, we can see now him getting confidence now, he's relating to people. I guess it's it's those light bulb moments in life's, and you know, a person's life when they, they, they see, this is actually making a difference, you know. So that cabin that he was working on was actually the cabin that, that was, was um, um, funded by you folks. Um, just one of the, one of the things there with with Cody. I just need to um, follow that story up. Um, so Cody was an alcoholic, um, very very bound up with alcohol. While he stayed with us, we ministered to him and worked with him and prayed with him, um, and we we got him to church a couple of times and those sorts of things. But sadly, the bondage of alcohol was too much for Cody, um, and 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 Cody moved on, um, which was really disappointing to us and. Um, and, and the shame of it is, is that he felt quite guilty about even coming back to us because he knew we'd put so much time, so much effort and so much work into him, he couldn't even come back to the organisation. But the story didn't end there because we found out where he was living. And so we didn't leave him alone and we've been continuing to go and minister to Cody, work with him and support him. But the cool thing about where he's living is that it's a, it's a big, it's right in the middle of Wanganui actually, it's a big, massive, big villa, uh, and, and the owner of the building has recognised that Cody has some building skills because of his time with us. So Cody now is, is okay, so he's not, he's not walking with the Lord or anything like that, and he's still struggling with his alcoholism, but the skills that he gained from working with us, he's now able to use in his real life and a real job. So that builder, or the owner of that property, is giving him some part-time work, which is really good for him. When we last saw him, he was completely sober. Um, we had a wonderful conversation, one of the most coherent conversations I'd had with Cody for some time. Um, so we went there with um, Carol, who was our administ administrator, and, um, and uh, just continued on that, that relationship with Cody. So what we've done is we've sown the seed. What we, want, what we pray for now is someone to continue to water that seed. Um, there's been a change in Cody's life now. 
um, even though we didn't get the result that we thought. We, we were praying and hoping and praying that, that he would be released from his alcoholism. But God has his, his own ways and he has his own plans and he'll do it his way. So um, we just continue to pray for Cody. But he's only one. We've had a number of others. We had another young fellow who was living in a tent as well and came with us and he went right through um, and started working with us. So um, yeah, some good results there. Some really good results there. Okay. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to be too long. Um, I just want to share a scripture um, for you, with you. This is the flip side of it. And this is, this is from Revelation 21. It's not preached on an awful lot. And it's a little bit controversial because there's some statements in there that are, that are very open-ended. And um, I just want to share something else with you too. Talking about God's miracles. So I left school pretty much illiterate. And it wasn't until I be, became, became a Christian in my late 20s so I, that I could actually start re- learning how to read. So I was dyslexic, didn't know that I was dyslexic, dyslexic, didn't know why I couldn't read very well, and I thought I had no brains. But the reality is there is some brains up there. And praise God, when I became a Christian, I started reading the Bible, and, and it was like the Holy Spirit just touched on me. I didn't know then, I didn't know until much later, the Holy Spirit touched me and illuminated the words and helped me. The Bible just came to life. It was a good news Bible, by the way. Some people rubbish the good news Bible. But I can tell you that it doesn't matter how the word of God comes to you, he will use those words. And so while I was reading that, the Bible, um, um, my, my, my understanding of words and that became clearer and clearer and better and better. And so I started um, in, the, in the book of Genesis, as you do with every good story, you start with the Genesis. And then got to Genesis, that was a wonderful story. Genesis, I'm going to keep reading this like this. Exodus, that was a good story, like that, good story. Leviticus and so on, I started getting numbers. I was thinking, heck, this is getting a bit tough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my reading's a bit limited, but there's a lot of numbers in there. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I'm going to go to the end of the book and see how the story finishes. <laughs> and so I read this, started reading this book called Revelations. And I can tell you what happened. One thing happened. I had the hell scared out of me, literally. <laughs> and, and ever since, it's been, a, it's, a, it's been a book that I go to quite often now. So I also want to point out that I'm not a preacher. Um, you know, so, you know, I didn't read very well, very young. I'm not a preacher. All I am is just a, a sinner saved by God's grace sharing somewhere, sharing with you where to find the water. So this is all about the fuddy, not here on earth. The fuddy is a house, by the way. If I fall into a bit of Rio here and there, the fuddy is is a house. This is about the house that God has prepared for us when we leave this earth and go to glory. So while we're working on building a house here, he's going ahead of us, he's gone ahead of us, and you know... He's um, got a room prepared for us, and Jesus said, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't tell you. So this is about that room, and all I want to do is I want to use this scripture as encouragement. And it goes like this. I might need some more of Adam's ale first. (coughs) And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man. And he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And he, God himself, shall be among them. And he shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more 
no longer any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the springs of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes these things, and I'm sorry, he who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So I just want to pause on a couple of things, and the first thing is, this is a very deep scripture, and this would probably take Calvin probably a year to go through and complete, I don't know how long, but, but there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot in it. But I'll, I just want to bring up a couple of things. One of the things that's really interesting is going to be no sea. And a lot of, you know, there's a lot of controversy over what's going to happen and what's going to happen with the sea. And, and for me, there's a simple answer to that. And the answer is this, stop putting God into a box. Just because it doesn't say there's no sea there doesn't mean to say he hasn't got something else. The flip side of it as well is that there is a water of life that flows out. It's got to flow somewhere. Maybe it flows into lakes. We don't know. We don't know. So that's just one, one, one point. But the other part that I really want to labor on is this. <clears throat> he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no longer any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. That says to me that we will not be living in a world with sin anymore. But it's more than that. Just imagine a world where there is no crying and where there is no pain. Never any pain or dying. We see in this world so much pain, so much hurting, so much, you know, so much horrible stuff going on that causes pain and causes crying. In the new heaven, there will be no more crying. It will be gone. The sin that causes the crying will be gone. And the reason that we're crying, which is obviously death and, and pain, is which what, you know, a lot of people cry over, will be gone. It will be an incredibly amazing place. No more mourning, so we won't be going to funerals. No one will be dying. No more crying, no more pain. The first things have passed away. No more pain means no more sickness either. So you won't be sick. I'm sorry if you're a nurse or a doctor. We won't need you anymore. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. <laughs> but there will be no sickness. It's amazing. It's like, you know, when I, when I work with young people and that, one of the first things I do is bring them back to the Ten Commandments. And I go through it and I say, think about earth. You think about those Ten Commandments and what it would do for this earth if every single person on the face of this earth obeyed those Ten Commandments. What would it be like? It would be a radically different earth, completely different from, from what it is. Um, sadly, um, we're just not there at all. I'm going to carry on. It is done. So with every, so that's, that's the blessing. This is the promise that God has you has for you. But for everything that God promises that he's going to deliver you, there is a condition. And this is the condition that goes with it. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the immoral persons, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and the liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You don't want to go there. I don't know if our, uh, uh, Calvin's got the sword out or not. If you don't want to go there, you need to repent. Okay, you need to turn away from your sins, ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, and repent. Because if you don't, you ain't going there. That's going to be another sermon for another time, I think. 
<laughs> I'm going to carry on because I want to try and get further on to the, into this into some real interesting stuff. Not that that's not interesting. And he carried me away in the spirit. Philip's transport carried him away to the great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. <clears throat> Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like the costly stone, uh, as a sapphire, a crystal of clear jasper. You know something? Where we lived up on the Coromandel Peninsula, heaps of rivers up there, found a lot of jasper, never found one piece that was clear as crystal. It was always a muddy coloured red. It had a great big high wall with 12 gates, and the gates were 12 angels, and the names were written on them, which were those of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the west, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the east. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones. On them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the, the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city, and its gates and its wall. My wife is an accountant, loves numbers. And she goes, so we're all going to live in one city. So the earth's been here for 6,000 6, years. This is how many people from there to there. That's going to be a big city. So there's probably not going to be room for all the people over the thousands or thousands of years that people have died on this earth. And I said, well, wait and see. Just wait and see. It was a big measuring rod, by the way, too. So the city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles, or around about um, 2,200 kilometers length, width, and height. So just get that in perspective. Anyone know how long New Zealand is? It's about 1,000 kilometers long. So one wall would be the equivalent of two lengths of New Zealand. The distance between New Zealand and Australia is about 2,000 miles, 2,000 kilometres. So the city would be the distance from New Zealand to Australia. That is an extremely big city. So it would take, I've done some, I did some calculations, did some, some, some reading on this, to drive from Invercargill to Cape Reang would take around about 30 hours. That's at about 70 kilometres now, taking in the slow corners and getting on the ferry and that. So if you wanted to go from one part of the city to the other, just if you could drive, it would take 30 hours. If you were cycling, it was going to take about um, 40 days. Oh, no, sorry, was it 40? Yeah, 40 days. If you were going to walk, it would take about four months. So if you say, oh, I'm going to go to the, this wall of the city to the other wall of the city, and you're going to walk, it's going to take about four months. Mind you, when you're in eternity, you'd have plenty of time to do anyway. <laughs> but the, but the, the point, what I'm trying to say here, is I'm trying to build and give you an idea of the size of the city. But it doesn't stop there. Because it says here in the scripture, excuse me, it's the same height. So get your head around that. It's 2,200 kilometers high. Mount Ruapehu is about three kilometers high. Uh, Mount Cook's about uh, four or five kilometers high. This is 2,200 kilometres. When I said, don't put God in a box, that's something to figure out. This is a box, sure it's a box, but it's a huge box. It's, you know, 2,000 square metres this way, that way, and that way. How does a 2,000 kilometre high city even look? What does that look like? So where I'm going here is I just want to encourage you, so if you have any doubts about where you're going or what God is planning for your future, 
this is where you're going. But it doesn't stop there because this is only the city because it says there also that the, the nations will come, the kings will come and visit the city. So there's obviously a lot more land around it as well. And this is probably something to do with why there's no sea because the, the, the area for the water is a lot less. So, so, see, so, so just get a hold of that and just be encouraged. <coughs> and he measured its wall. It was 72 yards, which is around about 65 metres. How long is 65 metres? About the length of the section? That's about, so I think the section's about 65 metres. That's the thickness of the wall. That's how thick the wall is. And you needed that thick to go up 2,200 kilometres. <laughs> so <laughs> the foundation stones of the city were adorned with every kind of stone. I'm not going to read through them. There's a whole, just a, it's just a picture of, of, of just the beautiful adornment of, of the city. And I saw the temple and the, and the, the Lord God and Almighty and the Lamb where it was its temple and the city was, had no need of sun or moon or shine upon it for the glory of the Lord is illuminated and the, lamp is, as a la and the Lamb is the lamp, that is Jesus is the lamp and the nations shall walk by the light and the kings, so there's obviously nations outside the city, the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the day, and, and for there shall be no need of, gosh, I'm getting tangled up here. And in the daytime, for there shall be no need of light. Its gates shall never be closed, and they shall bring the glory and the, and the honor of the nations into it. Here it is again, the promise and then the condition. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination, lying, shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Make sure your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to skip on a little bit further, um, on to um, 22 verse 7. And behold, I am coming, this is Jesus talking obviously, and behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down and worshipped at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God. That's where it ends. So I just hope that those words just, you know, just are an encouragement to you of, of what God has, has for us. And I bring that because so many people say, you know, there's not going to be enough room in heaven for all the people over the years. It's not correct. And, and, and even if that was too small, then God would just make a bigger place. But he knows how many are going to be there in the end anyway. So be encouraged. Now, in traditional Māori culture, every time someone gets up and speaks, you've got to have a waiata. And we didn't do that. So um, um, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a waiata prepared, and I've got one that's come straight out of that. At, out of that. So just bear with me. I hope this works. Some of you um, will know the song. Um, it's an old song. But for some of you, it'll be quite new. Where's my, where's my bifocals? And um, just in case you think that this is mine, I, I generally don't put little girly things all over it. I had to borrow this from my niece. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played guitar for a while, so I hope I don't butcher this. And I heard a loud voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And Almighty God will be with them. And he shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, no more pain. For the former things have all passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said behold i make all things new and he said unto me write these words for they are faithful and true and it is done it is done it is done it is done Whoa. he is the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end son of god king of kings lord of lords he's everything messiah jehovah prince of peace is he Son of man, the seed of Abraham, second person in the Trinity. He is the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, he's everything. Messiah, Jehovah, Prince of Peace is he. Son of man, the seed of Abraham, second person in the Trinity. It is done, it is done, it is done, it is done. Father, I just want to thank you for this time. I just want to give you all the glory, give you all the honor, all the praise, because you are truly worthy. Father, I just pray your blessing upon this church. I thank you, Father, for their blessing to us with the funding. And I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to speak here. I just pray your rich blessing on the place. I pray a double portion of your blessing on this place. May their witness continue to spread out this area through the east side of Whanganui and wherever they may minister. Father, I just pray your blessing, your blessing, your blessing, and it is done. In Jesus' name, amen.